0: Hi everyone, this is the Quantumer podcast episode 4, brought to you by your host, Frank Wesley, connecting the worlds of restructuring, turnaround and insolvency, presenting you with insights, stories and ideas from the industry that helps to put businesses back on track. Quantumer is a niche practice that specialises in advising a wide range of clients and now with seven offices we have one of the fastest growing firms in the UK advising in this sector. We're here today to talk about a hot topic close to the daily routine of the insolvency professional, and that's the debt recovery industry, and especially the internal and external challenges facing businesses today as regards collecting debts due to them, how this can change when financial distress sets in, and finally, when an insolvency practitioner is appointed, what can be done to maximise the debt recovery process on behalf of creditors. So I have with me Glenn Morgan who is the Founder and Managing Director of Credet, a national debt collection agency with offices in Bristol, Manchester and London, covering the whole of the UK. And Glenn set up the business following a successful career in corporate credit management. He brings with him his own unique approach to debt recovery, advising both asset-based lenders and insolvency practitioners. He has a wealth of technical knowledge and experience in all aspects of receivables collection, management and control. In fact, in 2014, Glenn was asked by his professional body, the Chartered Institute of Credit Management, to write the debt collection syllabus for students taking their industry exams. So, Glenn, tell us a bit more about your background and a couple of interesting things that you're working on at the moment.
1: Okay, thank you, Frank. Um, we. I set the business up in 2009. Prior to that, I had been in corporate credit management for about 17 years, usually at director level, for the likes of RAC, Parcel Line, Amcor, Flexibles, etc., etc. Um, during that time, I was usually brought in to resolve significant overdue debt issues and to get um, teams amalgamated and on the same systems and all working in the same direction. So in 2009, I originally set the business up as a consultancy and we started doing similar things for the SME market. Um, As a direct result of that, we got in too late to a couple of businesses. Insolvency practitioners were appointed and we ended up dealing with the collect-outs for those insolvency practitioners. And it grew from there. By 2011, we decided to specialise just in the insolvency and invoice finance, finance industry. And we haven't looked back since. We're doing more and more work for the funders at the present time. I think in the last couple of years, the amount of funders that want us in earlier to have a look at businesses, to see what the situation is and what can be done to repair the bad debt situation with them. And uh, yeah, we're finding that that's growing more and more. We've got some fairly strange cases on the go at the moment, including some that are retail businesses, which you think probably shouldn't ever have a debtor's ledger. Mm -hmm. But strangely, a couple of those have actually allowed... People and other businesses to have credit. So, recovering the money from those is is proving to be somewhat challenging at the present time.
0: Let's move on. So, part of this podcast is to discuss the issues affecting businesses insofar as collecting their outstanding receivables are concerned in the current economic climate. So, how do you see the high level backdrop at the moment for businesses in general and also your industry? with regard to debt collection? The
1: industry in general, I think businesses still have quite poor internal controls. Uh, The bigger businesses have got it. They understand the need to have a decent team in place, a decent credit policy, etc. But certainly in the SME space, I think it's still an afterthought. And it's usually an afterthought which only comes into place when they've suffered and their, their debt is in an overdue position and they need it recovered in. We find that businesses just aren't focusing on that until they have to. They want the sales, they just don't want to have to think about how to collect it in. We also find that a lot of SMEs that have been set up by an expert in their field, I'll give an example of a builder or a plumber, and he's decided he's a great builder or plumber and he wants a team around him to run a building or plumbing company. He's great at all of the um, work that needs to be carried out but when it comes to actually collecting the money and he's neither got the expertise himself or he hasn't brought anybody into the business to actually assist him with it so that's that's when they really start to struggle at the moment
0: that's interesting i was reading a good business book recently by michael gerber who's written the emith series and he talks about that sort of example a technician who suffers from an entrepreneurial seizure so in that sort of scenario, the, uh, the chap concerned would no doubt be a very good builder, but when it comes to actually managing the cash flow in his business, his uh, abilities are possibly a little stretched. I know that you have a lot to do with the insolvency profession. You see a lot of my peers, insolvency practitioners, and uh, another of your roles is acting as a member of my trade body, R3, and that you serve on the committee covering the South West and Wales. So out of interest, how are you finding that role, and what benefits are there for you relating back to the day job?
1: Yeah, I find it really interesting. When we have our committee meetings, when we have our regional meetings, the technical content and finding out about those is is interesting. Without being an IP or an insolvency solicitor, the majority of the time I get more involved in the... Organisation of the the jollies, for want of a better word, the uh, you know the drinks, the Christmas parties and things like that, but do get some involvement in the technical content as well. And it relates very well back to uh, back to the job because we need to understand at all times what pressures the insolvency industry is under, the rules that they work to and the controls that they must have in place, the compliance, the statutory regulations in order to make sure that everything that we do dovetails in perfectly with their reporting standards and the timeframes to which they have to work and with the end benefit uh, benefiting
0: creditors to, uh, to show that what we've done is, is mirroring that and giving them what they need. Good. So, I mean, the benefits uh, I take from that are that it helps you understand the pressures on an insolvency practitioner and to be able to see things through their eyes to an extent in relation to collecting outstanding sales ledgers. And hopefully that means better working relationships between your industry and mine. So moving on to another pertinent topic, the statutory provisions for interest on late payment. In 1997, going back 20 years, the government launched a Better Payment Practice campaign. So this initiative has been with us for some time. So how well, Glenn, do you think it's working in today's changing business environment?
1: I don't feel it's had the impact that it was intended to. I think that um, a lot of firms will quite happily put that they're going to charge the interest, but if the principal debt is paid and they're left with a residual amount to pursue, very few firms will actually pursue that. And I think over time, since 1997, the debtors have cottoned on to that, so they will get a letter telling them that they need to pay X amount. They will pay the principal debt, leave the statutory interest and wait and see what happens and the majority of firms I think would accept that their principal debt has been paid so I guess there's two things to say about it really it's it's probably helped businesses get their principal debt paid and worked well as a tool for um, persuading businesses to pay the principal debt but I, I don't think the actual statutory amount gets paid very often in my experience certainly from our knowledge in the in the SME space and maybe up to the sort of medium, larger sized businesses, it doesn't have the, uh,
0: the impact that they would have wanted it to. So the whole campaign really after 20 years has become rather stale by the sound of it yes. and um, perhaps it needs revitalizing and relaunching and maybe then for a period of time businesses and debtors, uh, particularly blue chip companies, uh, might take a bit more notice might have to revise their, their payment practices in in this current environment, um, particularly when there are media pressures and the like on the way that big companies behave.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's definitely fair to say that uh, the bigger the business, the less likely they would be to take it as a serious threat when, uh, when used as a debt collection tool anyway. So I think, yeah, they'll... Happily pay the principal debt, but they'll they'll leave the interest alone and, and see if anyone's brave enough to chase it from them. Certainly, with the big blue chips, they know that they are unlikely to be pursued for it. Mm. There's a lot of businesses that won't actually pursue it as well because they're worried about the impact mm. it will have on their customers and whether mm. that's a step too far, and they might look elsewhere, which I mm. think has, has given them reservations about using it.
0: So, moving on and touching on the scenario of a financially distressed business, do you see any other challenges arising? for a distressed business in relation to collecting their receivables?
1: Yeah, I think that certainly when a business becomes financially distressed and their customers get to hear about it, there will be payments pulled, there will be delays, there will be all the excuses thrown at them as to why they're not paying. Sometimes just naivety on the part of the debtors, but sometimes a bit more devious than that because they think if they can hold out for long enough, the business will enter into a insolvency process And they truly believe at that point that they will not be pursued further. From our experience, there's still a huge amount of businesses out there that have actually got it completely the wrong way around in an insolvency. They think that once a business goes into an insolvency process, that they're not entitled to collect their debts anymore. That is still a common misconception in the marketplace. So I think that a lot of businesses will find out that a business is in trouble pull payments, delay them, think Mm -hmm. of excuses, create spurious queries which will delay things in the hope that by the time their money really does have to be paid that the business will no longer be in a position to chase them because it won't exist anymore in its current format.
0: So very opportunistic by the sound of it. Is there anything in that scenario that a distressed business, the board of said entity could actually do to Uh, prevent that from just adding to the mounting financial problems facing the company?
1: Yes, they need to have a defined credit policy and procedures in place. They need to send regular letters. They need to have staff that are dedicated to that process. I mean, they need to have all of this before they're distressed, but it becomes even more prevalent then because at that stage, they'll get early warning signs of the businesses that are likely to give them some uh, some challenges with regards to collecting the money in but definitely a defined credit policy and procedure and it, it can be something really really basic just what time certain letters, emails, phone calls are made, who's responsible for it, what the query management system is within the business, how quickly they backed queries back to their customers to make sure that they don't use those as an excuse and if they do that then it's a way of Staving off being financially distressed in the first place, but certainly when they do become financially distressed for other reasons within the business, it's a way of maximising cash flow and trying to retrieve the
0: situation from where they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, Your profession and mine work closely, and I often wonder whether IPs are best suited to carry out their own debt collection procedures when appointed over an insolvent estate. What do you think an IP should bear in mind to achieve the best results for creditors? and what can they do, if anything, to enhance debtor realizations in an insolvency?
1: No, that's a really, really great question. I, the, the key thing is preparation. Getting the paperwork, the the understanding what the true value of the debt is that's owed to that company, what the order to cash process looks at like, is it timesheet driven, POD driven, purchase order driven, making sure that all the backing paperwork's available, the contractual position, understanding the contras it's just preparation, so you audit the ledger, you get yourself into a position where you understand what's truly outstanding, you've got all of the backing paperwork, because you just never know, as it's about to go into an insolvency, or it has, the business may lose access to their online accounting system, they may lose director engagement, they may lose staff who are being made redundant, there can be a variety of reasons where if that preparation hasn't been done and you haven't got all of the things that you need in order collect that debt in, you may not get get it at the future. So I think the the longer that period of time is between the insolvency and obtaining the books and records and not really analysing it and making sure you've got all the right bits, then the, the, the longer and more difficult the process is going to become. So all to do with preparation and timing and the most beneficial time to do all of that is definitely pre-appointment whilst you've still got engagement of the business and you're discussing options and, and what can maximise the uh, the recoveries moving forward.
0: That all sounds a um, very useful tip for an IP. And, and you have uh, people within your workforce who can come in and help with that? Yes, yeah. I mean,
1: we've we've got a, a number of specialists, and and with the bigger cases, I want to be involved myself. Really enjoy those, but I've got a number of my team who will happily go in and do all of that um, pre appointment work. I wouldn't ever say that insolvency firms themselves are by default bad at collecting in the debts. It all depends on how much focus they put on it themselves. So if they have got an in-house team that does all of the things that I said before, then it can be very useful. But it's also understanding the psyche of people. The people who work for me are debt collectors, that's what they do. Quite often insolvency staff members are qualified accountants and analytical individuals who have evolved through their career to become experienced in 99% of everything you need to do in an insolvency. We just work on the other 1%, which uh, you know we, we just focus quite heavily on that. So, yeah, I wouldn't say as a sort of carte blanche statement that IPs are necessarily bad at collecting it in. It just depends on how much focus and how much in-house expertise that they've got. And we know a number of firms that get it right, but we also know a number of firms who, who don't get it quite as right.
0: Yeah. We were chatting earlier, Glenn, and you mentioned uh, a product that you recently brought to market to uh, assist insolvency practitioners in the collect out of outstanding sales ledgers. And uh, I thought it would be useful if you just briefly summarised that so that the audience can understand the uniqueness of this product in order to enhance their uh, results collecting out the sales ledgers for the benefit of lenders and creditors. Okay. So it's, it's something to do with bad debt protection or insurance I understand?
1: Yes that's correct. I mean we, we call it credit protect plus but it's effectively when we take on a ledger and an insolvency event has occurred we can obtain bad debt protection on that. So the benefit to IPs is clear that it will boost the return to creditors. It means that from the moment we get limits in place on the debtors on that ledger they are covered if they go insolvent we would be able to put a claim in, but it also covers if there's protracted default, which covers them ignoring us. It covers them putting in spurious, unsubstantiated queries. Um, There's a lot of things it does cover. So it means that there's more money coming into the pot, um, more chance that our clients will get their fees, and not have to write off any whip, and also, which is key to everything we do, boost the return to creditors, whether they're unsecured or there's a charge holder or, or anything like that. So it just means that there's a lot more ways of getting the money in and um, as I was saying earlier quite often you get a number of of customers in an insolvency who will just simply bury their head in the sand and hope that it all goes away, well they can't. There are ways that we can ensure that, uh, that that money comes in for the benefit of creditors uh, at all times. So. And,
0: and and this product that you've been outlining is not available anywhere else in the market I understand?
1: No, at this stage we have exclusivity. Uh, we had just under two years of being, uh, being audited and having our cases looked at what our claims ratio would have been if we'd had cover in place and, and basically having our uh, performance monitored in order to get this bad debt protection policy in place. And we believe that the underwriter is also allowing this exclusivity as they are not certain at this stage as to, with a new product to market, what the claims are likely to be on an ongoing basis. So, uh, for that reason, yes, it's, it's only available for us at the moment and it's not available to any invoice finance or insolvency practitioners directly. So, processing. Quite a strong position with being able to to help as many IPs and invoice finance companies as possible.
0: And and what's the take up been like from insolvency practitioners in relation to that?
1: To be honest, it's not been as popular as we'd thought. But our launch has been coincided uh, has coincided really with a, a relatively quiet period in the insolvency industry. Um, but yeah, we've done a number of cases with it. There are certain firms that will use. The want the bad debt protection in place every single time and there are some who just select it on certain cases Um, and that is is growing all of the time. It's proved more popular uh, with the invoice finance companies as well recently because we launched six months earlier, so in 2015, at the end of 2015 it was launched for IPs, Um, March of last year launched for the invoice finance companies. And I guess they see it as more security around the amount of money that they've got out the door, which is why they've, they've found it um, found it quite popular. Yes, IP still like it, but I think as, as it develops over the coming years, and the invoice finance companies are finding it hugely beneficial because they're less likely to actually
0: lose their own money. Well, I've looked at that product. It looks um, very useful to me, and I'd urge the audience to take a look at it themselves. So for anyone to find... Credit or you, um, what's the best way of doing that? What's the, uh, the, the website address that they can go and visit in order to find out a bit more about the company and the services that you offer?
1: Okay, thank you. Yeah, it's just www.credit.co.uk, so that's C-R-E-D-E-B-T.co.uk. I'm happy for anyone to email me if they've got anything they want to talk through at all, which is just glenn with one N at credit.co.uk.
0: So that's great, Glenn. Um, Good answer. And let's close off the podcast now. Thanks once again for coming to our offices on a very sunny day in Marlow and providing your valuable thoughts. And it was a pleasure speaking with you. So I'll sign off now until the next Quantum of Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. And until next time, thanks for listening.